Hi, I'm Daniel Foley from the Abundant Life Training Center, and welcome to our daily communion meditation, where today we're talking about the cheerful giver. We're going to be taking a look at this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, talking about the cheerful giver. Giving as we have purposed in our heart, giving with cheerfulness. I believe this is one of the most important keys to giving, is to give cheerfully, to give with joy. And one of the concepts we've talked about, especially with our partners quite a bit, is that whenever somebody wrongs you, whenever somebody tries to steal from you or take from you or any of those types of things, don't let them wrong you. Don't let them take from you. Instead, give to them. Turn it around. Turn the tables on them and give to them. Start with forgiveness and then give to them. Be generous to them because God is generous with us. And we're going to do that. We can do that trusting that we've got God with us. And he's going to make it right. And he can make all grace abound to us. And we can do it cheerfully. We can do it cheerfully. It's one of the biggest keys to giving, I believe, is to give cheerfully. But why are we taking communion every day? About 10 years ago, I had pretty much no spiritual life whatsoever. I was just doing life on my own without God, doing things my own way. But life wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. At the time, I was running my personal training business, and my business was very up and down. Had some months where I'm losing thousands of dollars in a month. I remember getting to this place of just going for a walk with my wife around the neighborhood, telling her over and over, there's got to be a better way to live. Shortly after that, I came across this challenge to start reading one chapter from the book of Proverbs every day. Proverbs has 31 chapters. So on day one of the month, you start with Proverbs chapter one. Day two of the month, you read Proverbs chapter two, and then you keep going like that until the end of the month. And then you start back over again. Well, I've been doing this for a little while. And then one morning, Proverbs 13, 22, just seemed to jump off the page of me. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And that verse got me thinking, what's the most valuable thing that we could pass on to future generations? Well, the book of Proverbs tells us that wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the thing. And so I made a commitment. I want to pass on manuals and lessons and teaching for all the different areas of life. But really, when I got started, I had no clue where to start. So I began to seek after God, I began to totally immerse myself in the things of God. My relationship with him just began to grow. He began to show up, began to teach me, began to train me. He taught me this whole new way of living. That wasn't always easy all the time because I had to learn to put off some of my old ways to embrace this new way of living. At times, I found myself in some impossible-looking situations, only to see God just come through over and over again so that my trust in him grew. And over the course of about 10 years, I just documented what he was taking me through. And it turned into this whole program we have now called the Abundant Life Blueprint with a series of books and courses and now partners. But I do believe out of everything we do in the Abundant Life Blueprint, the most important thing is daily communion. Daily communion is what I call the number one table turner for all of life. Has the ability to create a turning point, to turn things around, to change the trajectory of our lives going forward. Jesus says, as often as you do this, remember me. It's this opportunity to simply remember his sacrifice, all that he went through, and not forget. Helps us to abide in him so that our lives produce much fruit. The Apostle Paul says every time we take communion, we're proclaiming the death of Jesus, which in the case of a will or an inheritance, nothing happens until you prove the death. So in a way, communion is like an activation. 
of all these benefits that are found in the new covenant. And I've found personally, it can create these turning points where we experience God helping us walk out these promises that he's made us. But it's also important we take it the right way. Every time we take communion, we take it with the fear of the Lord, with deep awe and honor and reverence for his sacrifice, for all that Jesus went through for us. But I think it's also remembering all that his sacrifice did for us, connecting us back to God, giving us this new covenant with God. So the process we typically use, we start with about a two-minute long prayer that's mostly scripture. Coming from Ephesians chapter 1 and the prayer of Jabez found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And then we take a few minutes to examine ourselves. Because the Apostle Paul says some people are weak and sick and they die early because they don't examine or judge themselves before taking communion. And if communion has the power to do that in the negative, I believe it has the power to make us healthy and strong and give us long life if we'll take it the right way. And then after our time of communion, we'll be talking about some practical physical workout tips. Because I truly believe physical exercise is meant to teach us how to exercise our faith. So let's get started with our prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who are watching or listening, their families, all those connected to them in our church and governmental leaders. Thank you for releasing us from darkness and transferring us into the light, into the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you for your purpose and grace given to us in Christ Jesus before time ever began. I thank you that Jesus was smitten for us so that you could fight for us. And I keep asking that you, the Father of glory, would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. That the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to know the hope to which you called us and the riches of your glorious inheritance that is in us and the immeasurable greatness of your power to us who believe. The same power that you exercised in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And you put all things under his feet and made him to be the head of the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Father, I ask you to bless us to make your face shine upon us and let us find grace and favor in your eyes. Expand our borders and our territory. Expand our capacity to receive your purpose and grace, your love and your goodness, and to let it flow through us so that we do good and are a blessing to people all over the world. Send us opportunities to do good and be a blessing today and help us be sensitive to those opportunities. Keep your hand on us and help us do today what's right and best in your eyes. And do it with peace and joy and confidence in you. And we ask you to stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and keep us from evil and pain. Through the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to go through the other half of prayer. This is our time to examine ourselves. Are we making today a masterpiece? How are we going to do that? We're going to get connected to the master. Our relationship with God has got to be brought down into today to impact every area of today. And that's what we talk about, executing these four fundamentals. Because masters of anything are simply masters of the fundamentals and bringing some fun into them today. But before we go through our fundamentals, let's remember God's got a process. When he took the people from Egypt to the promised land or the promises or inheritance that he had for them, there were steps and stages and a process they had to go through. 
And why was that? Because they had to learn to put off their old ways and to embrace this new way of living, relying and trusting in what God can do, relying and trusting in him. And in a similar way, for us to step into the promises and the inheritance that he has for us, I think it starts with believing he's got something better for our life, something better than we can ever ask or dream or think or imagine. And that's being willing to move forward with that plan, not wanting to go back to the way things used to be, but being willing to move forward, to put off those old ways and to embrace this new way of living where we make him the source. We look what he can do in his strength and we learn to rest and to trust in him. It's going to take some time. That's where we're going to execute these four fundamentals. Our first one, let's get positioned in the light today. Every day, we got to keep repositioning ourselves back into the light. It has to happen every day. And I think it starts with humility. Humbling ourselves in relationship to God. Humbling ourselves in relationship to other people. Because it's the humble who are given grace. And we're going to receive this forgiveness from God. We're going to position ourselves in forgiveness, forgiving ourselves. We're going to walk in forgiveness with other people. We're going to take our position in love today, kind and patient and gentle, always assuming the best, keeping no record of wrongs, delighting in the truth, always hoping, always trusting, always persevering, because love never fails. And we're going to take our position in gratitude and praise today. One of the greatest expressions of faith, and it's one of the easiest ways to maintain our positioning all day long. And being in position is a big deal. Because it puts us in position to be able to receive all that God has for us. When we step into the light, we're stepping into Christ. And God has taken everything that he has and he put it all in him. And we get this amazing opportunity that this day today we have access to his spirit and power and presence. His love and peace and joy. His mind and wisdom. There's health and energy, purpose and grace. Fellowship with God and people. There's time and resources and finances. God can make all grace abound to us, as we're going to see today. So our first step is to get in position. Our second step is to magnify the light. We're going to turn up the brightness of this light within us. And it's going to expand the capacity where God can flow more of all these good things through us. It's also going to get this new covenant rooted and established in our heart. Where we have hearts that understand God's grace. We become more consistent in this. And to magnify the light, we've talked about the example of two baskets on a balancing scale. One basket full of the issues and problems and testings we face. The other basket full of our praises to God. Praising him for his name, for who he is, for his character. And praising him for all that he's done. And to magnify the light, which basket are we going to fill up? With our thoughts, or our attention, our focus, our meditation, our words. Which basket are we going to fill up? To magnify the light, we're going to praise, we're going to fill up that basket of praise. Praising God for his word, his faithfulness, his unfailing love, that nothing's impossible for him. We can magnify him for every good thing he's done for us in Christ. We can praise him for all that he's done, everything that's going well in our life. Because what he started, he's going to finish. Now, this is not denying that there's issues or problems. Rather, in the face of issues and problems. Choosing to fill up that basket of praise. Put our focus and attention and words there. But it does give us a choice. We could choose not to do any of this. We could stay stuck in pride and rebellion, bitterness, unforgiveness, doing things our own way. 
filling up that basket of the issues and problems by venting and complaining and pouting, all these things. And that's where we got to learn to recognize the symptoms. Because when we're out of position or magnifying the wrong things, it's going to produce some symptoms in our life. You can have a lack of fellowship with God, lack of fellowship with people. You might find yourself retaliating at people or withholding good things that you know to do. You might avoid people or give them the silent treatment. Isolate yourself. On the inside, you'll have this heaviness and weight and pressure like it's all sitting on you. You might have feelings of hopelessness or helplessness like you're trapped or you're stuck. And all that weight and pressure on the inside just drains the energy right out of you. Emotionally, there's the fear and stress and worry, frustration. We're dreading things in the future, envisioning all these worst-case scenarios. We're usually lacking presence. And unfortunately, this can become a habit. This can become a pattern. And we get stuck in these vicious cycles that seem to keep repeating over and over again. But when we take our position in the light, there's rest in our soul. We've got fellowship with God, fellowship with people. And when we rest, God goes to work. And everything begins to flow. All those good things just begin to flow. And everything is free and easy and effortless and energizing because he's doing the work. And now all of a sudden, we've got hope in any and every situation because we've got God with us. And if all this weren't enough, God gives us this amazing gift of grace that if we ever get off track, it just takes a moment to turn it right back around again. And it's learning to recognize those symptoms and turn it back around quickly. How do we do it? I think it starts with humility. Father, I've missed it. I'm off track right now. Forgive me. We receive that forgiveness from him. We forgive ourselves in the middle. If we need to forgive or say we're sorry with somebody else or reconcile with somebody, we take those steps. And then we start filling up that basket of praise, praising and magnifying him for his grace and his goodness and his love. And I like to pray this very simple prayer. Father, thank you that what you put within me is more than enough to handle whatever's coming at me today in a beautiful, graceful way. Help me tap into it and see it flowing in a greater life, in my, a greater level in my life today. You go through that simple process, that weight just lifts off you. Everything begins to flow again. And then our third fundamental, we've got to stay tuned in to him today. Every day, God's trying to teach us and train us and navigate us throughout the day, but we've got to stay tuned in to him. My favorite way to do this is with a journal before bed. And I like to start with what we call some filters at the top of the journal. These filters are just short phrases, maybe a statement, maybe one word that we keep rewriting every night in our journals as a way to reinforce God's plan and vision and direction for our lives. For example, a filter might look something like the following. God is working continually for my good, and I'm going to do continually good for others. And that short phrase just helps to navigate us throughout the day when there's issues and problems and testings. And I like to start my journal with gratitude and praise to get in position and then to magnify what went well today. What are all the ways I saw God showing up today? And then I like to ask this question, God, what are you trying to show me today? And just get still and listen and reflect back over the day. Whatever comes into my mind, just begin to write those things down. And then we got to stay tuned in throughout the day. Every day he's trying to navigate us throughout the day. If you ever feel like you're losing that connection, just take a couple minutes to slow down. Get connected back to him. Think of it like plugging in a phone. You're going to get powered up in him again. And then the final thing I'd like to do in my journal is our fourth fundamental. I like to plan out the upcoming day with God. And I've learned to stick with, what do I know to do today? 
Because I learned sometimes I was getting out ahead of him, toiling away in my mind, trying to figure things out, trying to force things to happen ahead of schedule. On the other side, sometimes I was procrastinating on things that I knew to do. It's really easy to come up with a whole bunch of reasons not to take action today. So I've learned to stick with, what do I know to do today? That becomes the plan for the day. And then we wake up like a kid on Christmas morning, excited for the day. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we remember this very important principle. That the first thing out of our mouth every morning sets the tone for the whole day. As I began to learn about this, I began to seek God. What's the best thing for us to say first thing in the morning? I felt like he was taking me back to Genesis chapter 1. The very first words we see God speak. Let there be light. So I've begun to start my days this way. The very first words out of my mouth. Let there be light. And it's amazing how just such a simple little thing brings a different energy into the day. Let me start praising and magnifying him, get connected with him. We start walking out that plan together with him today. Full confidence that he's right there with us every step of the way. And when we get to that place of confident faith, his grace begins to surge through us. He begins to go to work. He begins to bring these good and perfect gifts into our life. I like to call them these beautiful solutions. Things that we can never make happen on our own. And beauty is attractive and magnetic and just begins to pull more and more of everything God has for us into our lives. Let's take a look at the scripture today. This 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I believe. I forgot to write the chapter on here. Starting in verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. We're going to give as we've decided or purposed in our heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it's written, he has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's break this down just a quick second here. We are to give. We got to sow bountifully. We're going to give bountifully as we have decided or purposed in our heart. We're going to make a commitment in our heart today. This is going to be a turning point in our life. We're going to make a commitment in our heart. We're going to decide in our heart. Then we're going to give. We're going to sow bountifully, and we're going to do it cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. And part of the reason we can do that is why? Because God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, we can abound to every good work. We can give freely because we trust that God's going to make it up to us. Jesus promises, if you give, it will be given back to you. Pressed down, running over, good measure. We can give cheerfully. And so whenever anybody 
wrongs you, let's turn that into an opportunity to, to forgive and to give. Don't let them take from you. Don't let them wrong you. Give to them. As you see opportunity, as you've purposed in your heart to do good, give and do it cheerfully. That cheerfulness is one of the keys to unlocking all this, I believe. So, Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for these scriptures. And we're asking for your help to help us to sow bountifully and to help us get this purpose in our heart and to become cheerful givers. And as we do so, we're asking for you to make all grace abound to us, having all sufficiency in all things at all times. We can abound to every good work. Just thank you for these amazing promises that we see in here today. And we thank you that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take a moment to remember. God sent his one and only son. Jesus is willing to come and humble himself even unto death on a cross. To go through all that he went through. The cup of God's wrath is poured onto his body. He was crushed by God. He was destroyed by God. But then he's raised back to life. He's victorious over death. And that same victorious power now lives on the inside of us. He connects us back to God, makes us right and holy and perfect in God's sight. We've got peace with God. All through his one sacrifice. So, Father, we thank you for this bread. And ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. If you have your bread, you can take your bread. Then after supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins for many. It's the forgiveness of sins that releases us from darkness and transfers us into the light. His blood cleanses us and gives us this new covenant with God. This blood sworn oath that God is with us. He's for us. He's working for our good. He's fighting for us. Father, we thank you for this cup. And I ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. If you have a juice, you can take a juice. All right. Let's talk about some workout stuff. I hope that you're becoming consistent in your workouts. We talk about consistent daily workouts as a way to practice exercising our faith, as a way to practice God doing the work through us. Allowing him to do that work through us. But eventually, it's not just for you. We want to get to the place where we start helping some other people. How do you do it? You just simply ask them to join you. Get a workout partner. Get somebody who can join you. Maybe they're a beginner. And in helping them, as giving to them, doing it cheerfully, you're going to see a new level of health abounding through you. At a certain point, the only way for you to go to the next level in your health is to start helping other people. And that's the way it works in pretty much every area of life, I believe. It's the way God has designed it. So at a certain point, we're going to start helping somebody else as well. Get some workout partners. Get a small group. Find some people to help. Sow bountifully into them. Take what you've learned how to do and begin to sow that into other people. But I hope it's been helpful for you today.
If you'd like to learn more about partnering with us in the Abundant Life Blueprint, you can go to the Abundant Life Training Center.com.